Hi there, and welcome to the Crypto Frontier. I'm Jonathan Miller, Managing Director of Kraken Australia, and I'm glad you could join me out here on the Crypto Frontier. On this show, you'll hear from the industry's best and brightest about the latest news in crypto markets and industry from Australia and around the world. Tune in fortnightly to gather the latest insights and data to power your trading. Whether you haven't yet bought your first Bitcoin or want to better understand the latest DeFi token, this show will explore the latest in market data trends and go behind the scenes to explore the technology that powers the future of finance. Okay, let's jump into this week's news. According to Bitcoin Treasuries, a website, close to 6.8 billion or 2.85% of Bitcoin's total supply is now held across 13 public companies, including MicroStrategy, Galaxy Digital, Square, and Grayscale. This seems to be a trend in institutional adoption. Kraken has enabled funding and trading in Japan by SBI Sumishin NetBank across several crypto and fiat pairs. It's a welcome return to this market. And according to reports by Asia One, close to 2 million people living in the Chinese city of Shenzhen signed up for a 1.48 million digital yuan giveaway over the weekend. It wasn't just normal money, it was digital currency. Despite criticism of its initiative, it's a key indicator that central bank-issued digital currencies are on the rise. I'll talk about this a little bit later with our guest for this week, Marco Santori, who's the Chief Legal Officer for Kraken. Marco, thanks for joining me today. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you very much for having me. So I've got I've got a question for you, and it's a really broad one to begin with, and then perhaps we can dive in a little deeper. But you know, what's your general view on crypto regulation? You know, is it going away? Is it is it a wave coming coming at us? Tell me about what you think about this. Well, it it's always been here. I mean, they. <laughs> This 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 whole crypto regulation thing started in 2013, which incidentally is after I got involved in crypto. When I got involved in crypto, we were mostly just feeling our way around in the dark. But uh, in 2013, the U.S. was way ahead of the pack. The money services regulator at the federal level here in the U.S. published uh, a piece of guidance, uh, affectionately known as the guidance, um, that really uh, was a starting gun shot for the industry. Uh, in terms of regulation. Um, what we've seen though is uh, the technology itself uh, broaden in application and scope. And so we've seen the same thing happen to the regulations that apply to it. Um, regulators, when faced with new with new technologies, obviously they try to um, apply existing rules to them, but they, they do so in, in response to perceived risks. And the risks around crypto have changed over the years. Uh, and so we're seeing new regulation come into play to um, to address them. It is true that the, the landscape has never been free of it. And and I, I personally don't think that that's a bad thing because um, I think, you know, th- there's always a tension, especially in crypto, uh, between thinking about the freedom that, that crypto can provide individuals, but also the, the role that regulators play in terms of mediating between individuals. And, you know, in your view, um, has what's played out in the crypto world, is it something that's played out before? Or is, this, is this how it happened with traditional financial regulation? Well, in a sense, yes. And in a sense, no. The, the regulators have always played catch up. The regulators have always tried to um, 
let the market lead, mostly for very practical and boring reasons, right? One, they just don't they just don't know what's going on out in the world until it until it becomes an issue for them and it enters their sphere. Um, but also because you know nobody wants to be a heavy-handed regulator. The, nobody wants to get in the way of innovation and get in the way of uh, the market. What what we're seeing now is um, well is to see that effect amplified tenfold with crypto because crypto is such a, a foundational technology um, that we're seeing it start to trigger protocols all the way up through the value chain. Um, it's to start to trigger regulations, I should say, all the way up through the value chain because it's a protocol, because it's it's base layer technology. It's not just some new product, right? It's not just some new service that a regulator can look at and understand the risks associated with the service. What they have to do is look at the underlying protocol and then all of the services and all of the products based on top of them and assess the risks of all of those. So early on, you know, we... Uh, in the early days, we were worried that the protocol itself would get would would somehow be subject to regulation. And thank goodness, so far that that hasn't happened, and it looks like it looks increasingly like that will not happen. But what we are seeing something, um, but what, what we are seeing happen, and what we I think are more assured of, is that all of the services and the products built on top of the protocol will fall under. Uh, a number of different regulations, and it's not, and it's, and it's not going to be like it was historically in other financial services, where each new product would would be regulated uh, in due course. What we're seeing is one product touch a ton of different regulatory regimes all at the same time. I think we've seen a little bit of confusion as a result. I mean, in, in this market as well, and and the role of li- of lobby groups and and um, industry bodies liaising with regulators to kind of join the dots, I think has been critical. Um, one thing I'd like to talk about is Kraken's approach to regulation. Uh, you know, we, we have a market license in two jurisdictions. They're really hard work. So why are they so important? It shouldn't need saying, but it does need saying because it doesn't apply to all crypto exchanges, but Kraken tries to follow the law. And that it's such a silly thing to have to say but you know what we've seen over the course of uh of the course of the last um seven years that there have been laws explicitly applying to crypto is there have been folks who have just stuck their head in the sand and denied and taken the position that these laws can't possibly apply to us because because blockchains because decentralization because all these really bad reasons for laws not applying. And Kraken has has taken the position from the very beginning that the laws exist and that they apply and we should follow them. Um, beyond that, though, Kraken has tried to take a proactive approach um, and tried to get involved, not only just following laws, but get involved in their creation um, and get involved in their application and their interpretation. Um, it's not a it's not a place that's just sat idly by um, while those laws get made all around them, and then golly hope that they can comply. Kraken has has actually played a role in the creation of some of these uh, new laws, and the state of Wyoming is a great example of that. 
where we have advocated for um, for sane rules that can be uh, that can actually be that can actually be complied with, um, and that's that's the first step in 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 following the laws is is ensuring there are laws out there that actually can be followed. That's really interesting, uh, and I think that idea of um, dialogue is kind of is not really understood by by most when it comes to regulators and industry participants. And, and you, you've hit on a really interesting one, especially interesting um, given what we're doing in Wyoming. Do you mind just jumping in to what what's happening in Wyoming? What what is this law that we've been participant to, and 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 what does that mean for us and for the industry? Sure. So. Uh... Wyoming is doing something extraordinary um, and that we're, we're um, quite supportive of and that we've become a part of. Um, Wyoming uh, and their blockchain task force have overhauled a number of local, uh, of, of I should say, state laws that apply to digital assets, and, uh, including amending the Uniform Commercial Code and um creating local exemptions for intrastate securities transactions. But the one that we think is, is, is the most important is the creation of the special purpose depository institution uh, bank charter. And that is, um, we really do think that's something special. Um, the state has, um, has created a brand new charter um, for uh, what's what's called the special purpose depository institutions, where uh, which 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 are banks, they can take deposits and they can operate a payment system, um, and they can apply to the Federal Reserve for access to a master account, meaning they can have their the bank can have its own account at the central bank, um, and it can offer checking accounts, it can offer savings accounts. Um, it can take custody and deposits of uh, not just fiat currency, but also crypto. And um, that was highly attractive to Kraken. And so Kraken got involved at the early stages to help plan the approach. Uh, we offered ourselves as a resource uh, to the state of Wyoming. And um, we think that um, the, the what what came out of that process you know we were were we were delighted to have a part in it but what came out of the process we think is something really special um and something that uh, it's a bank charter that um we were awarded uh, we were um i should say approved for just recently um and now we're well on the way to actually developing the products and services um to actually uh, offer to our customers so th- so to be clear this is this is the um, the legislation that's allowed us to to effectively become a bank in Wyoming, right? Yeah, that's right. That's super super exciting. And and I actually talked to David um, from Kraken Financial on on the first episode of this. So for for those of you who who haven't listened to that, maybe it's worth now kind of going backwards in time and forwards in time to to kind of see what we're doing with this. Um, thanks for that insight, Marco. Why don't we just change gears and take a a kind of broader view? On, on what's happening with crypto globally. And one of the trends that we're seeing, you know, f- from not just regulators, but from from governments uh, is interest, in particular federal reserves, interest in central bank issued digital currencies. Now, we don't need to go into what these are, but why do you think um, central banks are looking at this? 
And do you think this is a an evolution or a backward step? I think there are a lot of reasons for banks to look at um, CBDCs, central bank digital currencies. Um, there are a lot of sort of substantive reasons, um, and there are procedural reasons as well. We can start with the procedural ones because they're easier to answer. Um, why are governments looking at these things now? Well, two two reasons. At least there's reasons why governments in the West are looking at them now. One is uh, PBOC, the People's Bank of China. China is beating the rest of the world to the creation of a central bank digital currency. Um, and with that digital currency could come uh, meaningful uh, expansion of Chinese global economic power over uh, to, at the expense of Western global economic power. Um, that's one half of the puzzle. And then the other half is Facebook's Libra. Um, who's, who's more powerful, <laughs> Facebook or China? Uh, open question. And I think it depends on where you ask it. Um, but Libra, uh, is, uh, I think posed a real, um, posed a real question to central bank. Is, is there a real meaningful possibility of there being a private currency um, that could uh, overshadow national currency? Anyway, when both of those combine, you get, um, I think, a real sense of urgency among uh, central banks in the West to, um, to move on this. Now, substantively, why? Would a central bank be interested in, in a digital currency? Obviously, to remove inefficiencies from um, from from the economy. You know, the, there there are conspiracy theorists out there. I I am not among them. Um, I think that the 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 reality of it is is, is just as interesting as as the conspiracy theories. Um, a central bank issued digital currency could be faster. Uh, more transparent and more accessible um, than the currencies that we have now. And importantly, they could live side by side with the currencies that we have now. So um, there's, there's plenty of reasons for central banks to like um, the idea of a digital currency. And there's plenty of challenges too. Um, there, there's quite a bit on the other side of the scale, in, including uh, concerns around personal freedoms um, around uh, the possibility for uh, surveillance. Um, you know, it's a, it's a real weighing test, but you can see why central banks uh, would still be interested in spite of those risks. Yeah, I agree. It's a, especially in places, you know, like Australia, for example, which are very dependent on, you know, international flows of money and, and foreign exchange. Um, the prospect of, of dealing directly um, with counterparties using digital currency, it's already something that's more efficient than the existing, um, you know, SWIFT and other um, dealing with with other kind of FX counterparties. It's 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 a much more efficient mechanism. So you can see that kind of cryptocurrency has opened up um, the, the kind of Pandora's box on on what it means to to transfer value internationally, um, and and that that these these banks are now. You know, central banks are, are playing catch up. 
Look, Marco, I really appreciate your time today. And and I'd like to get, just before we wrap up, you know, your view on the future. And, and maybe we, we narrow it down to, I guess, from a, from a regulatory point of view. You know, what do you see coming over the horizon when it comes to crypto a, and regulation? I think we're going to see further clarification. Um, right now, the, there's, there's just an untenable position um, in the United States and Europe and most parts of the world, and I, uh, I think in Australia too, um, on the just what laws apply and how, and 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 how they should be expected to apply. Um, there's a great tradition of clarification among, of of law of existing law, I should say, among um, democratic governments um, that operate negative listing systems as opposed to positive listing systems, right? There's countries in the world where um, everything is illegal except the the short list of things that the government has approved. Um, Australia and the United States and um, most of Europe, uh, you know, we uh, operate on a negative listing system. Everything's everything is permitted except those things that are expressly illegal. And we think that comes from a sense of fairness. And for that to work, there has to be clarity in the, in the world of traditional finance and in the world of digital assets. Um, I think that uh, the calls by the industry and by the public for clarity around digital assets will start to be answered. Uh, I do have faith in this. I have great faith. Um, but I, I'm, a, I'm really more assured of it because, um, because of the incentive structures. I, I really do believe that people want to know these, want to use these things. And in order to use them um, in a way that um, they're in the, in a way that gives them some comfort around their legality, they're going to need that clarity. And I think they're going to get it. I think they're going to get that clarity. Marco, thank you so much. That was a really interesting conversation. Uh, you know, I think as, as we know, this is an evolving space and perhaps in, in, you know, three or six months time, there'll, there'll be more news we can talk about. So I really appreciate having you on the show and, and hopefully speak, speak to you soon. Thanks for having me. I love talking about this stuff. Um, and I look forward to the next one. Thanks everyone for joining me on this show and for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe and review on your podcast platform of choice and we'll make sure we take you right to the edge of the crypto frontier. And remember, you can learn more about all things crypto by visiting kraken.com slash learn. Until next time, I've been Jonathan Miller and this has been The Crypto Frontier. Crypto Frontier.